uh, I thought, well, we'll see what happens this morning. So we're on chapter 26 of the confession. Chapter 26. Chapter 26 deals with communion of saints. And we've been looking at it a couple of weeks here. And the biggest thing here so far that we've talked about is that for there to be communion of saints, there first has to be what? A union. A union with who? With the Lord. Communion with Christ. Right? You can forget communion of saints if you are not united to Christ. No matter how kind people are to you, no matter how personable and how well you get along with them, you will not be in Christian communion if you are not united to Christ. Because it's only through Christ that you can accomplish that communion. You can do what you should be doing as part of that union or as a result of that union. So we've got to have the union with Christ. The union with Christ then gives us the ability to have communion with Christ. So we have union with Christ. That lets us then have communion. And we've talked about that some. Communion with Christ in his, is, his, is our federal head. In his death, burial, resurrection. Right? That's communion. That's what it is that, you, that joins you and, and your participation, if I can put it that way, uh, in what he has done for you, for his people. You have a communion with him. You're joined with him. We've talked about the communion. The union has to do with a relationship, a relationship where, depending upon the relationship, each party, as it were, has gifts, have strengths, uh, have attributes, that will benefit the union. And it's the enjoyment of what that person brings to the union that is the communion. Right? When we, when we remember the Lord's death and his resurrection, when we have communion, the, the, the sacrament, we are engaging in an act of communion because we are by faith looking at what he's done for us we are enjoying that benefit and the benefit we talked about a little bit the thing that we bring if i can put it this way that we bring to this relationship is the service that christ expects of us to do the work of the kingdom Right? Christ is not on earth. And he doesn't come down. The Holy Spirit is here working. We don't accomplish anything without the help and power of the Holy Spirit. But God has given to us. We saw this last chapter about the church. The ministry of evangelizing and edifying. That's the work of the church to give the gospel and then 
to bring the saints along. And when that's happening, there's communion going on there. So we, we hopefully, Lord willing, we're conscious of and thinking about what it is we are supposed to be doing, seeking first the kingdom of God. Do your work, enjoy your relationships, but just remember, your primary responsibility is doing the work of the kingdom. And these relationships should help you. We should be helping one another to do exactly that. So we have this union that gives us a communion with Christ and a communion with each other. Now question five on page 653 what is the result of being in union with Christ? And we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, the larger catechism, uh, there on page 652, question 66, what is that union which the elect have with Christ? The union which the elect have with Christ is the work of God's grace, whereby they are spiritually and mystically, yet really and inseparably joined to Christ as their head and husband, which is done in their effectual calling. So, we talked about this union being inseparable. Now, thinking about that, and, and you know, we, we have our own thoughts about that union and how it is that I'm united to Christ, and what does that mean? Well, two or three things. One. You're inseparable in your relationship. No one can ever separate you. You will never be cast out of God's family. You can never be taken out of Christ. You're in Christ. You can never be taken out. Christ can never cast you out. All right? You're inseparably joined. Now, we talked about that. And so, when I live my life, you know, it's not like I leave the house in the morning and the Lord says, okay, hope you have a good day. I'll meet you here at the door when you get back home. No. No. We're inseparable. Where you go, Christ goes. Wherever you do go, whatever you do, Christ and you are joined. So it should delight us. You know, we talked about the, the, the when we think about that, the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's he saying? We're inseparable. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Where you are, I'm there. We're inseparable in our relationship. We're inseparable spiritually. My soul is eternally united to Christ. Nothing. Nothing can ever keep me out of heaven. 
because that's what it is to be eternally in union with Christ. What was Christ in John? What did he say? I go to prepare a place. Why? So you'll have a nice place? Won't you looking forward to whatever it is he's built for you? No. What was he telling them? I'm going to do this so that you can come and be with me. Where I am, you'll be. Because that's the way it is down here. We just don't think about it that much, I doubt. And we are inseparable, as it were, in life and death. We talked a little bit about death when we talked about marriage. And we talked about in the vows, we, talk, we say until death do us part. Because death terminates that relationship. Because there's neither marrying nor giving in marriage. You are united to Christ. You are the bride of Christ in heaven. But on this earth, that relation and every relationship you enjoy physically on earth will be terminated by death. Somebody's gone. Right? There is no more relationship there in that same respect. That'll never happen with Christ. You just go from life through death to life with Christ. So nothing can ever separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Right? So this being in union, and then we start thinking, okay, you're talking about some pretty deep stuff in one sense. Well, yes, I am. When you start thinking about, well, if Christ is with me all the time, every day, how should that impact how I live? You know, you've heard preachers, well, if Christ was standing right there beside you, would you have acted the way you just acted or said what you just said? Well, Christ was standing right there beside you because you're inseparable. So what does it do? Well, then you see the idea how the communion, if I'm really conscious of being in union with Christ, I want to reflect Christ in all that I'm doing and saying. It's not me living, it's Christ living in me. Right? So that I want the world to see what it is to have Christ, to be in communion with Christ. I want my family to see it. I want the church family to see. I want to, to reflect. I want to be so caught up with being joined to Christ, that it affects everything I say and do. And that's not easy. We have an adversary who is striving every day to keep that from happening. And we've got to be aware of that. We'd be foolish just to think, okay, well, with the help of the Spirit, 
this ought to be doable. Well, it's doable. It is doable. Not to perfection, but it's with the understanding we aren't perfect and we won't be. But it should be where our heart is. Understanding where we are in Christ. Inseparable. Inseparable. And then question six. Any thoughts or comments or whatever? All you want to talk this morning, I will appreciate. <laughs> so, all right. Question six. Yes. The light, you're the light of the world. Well, what does that mean? If we don't turn the switch on back here, we've got lights in this sanctuary. If nobody turns the switch on, there's no light in the sanctuary. You know, sunlight comes in the window. If you're the light of the world, it means you gotta be shining. There is something that is seen and your life helps it to be seen. Salt, and, and we went, the things we were talked about before, uh, the, the epistles, your ambassadors, the, the way that we go about reflecting and making use of this relationship. Okay, question six on page 653. What is the basis of the believer's union with other believers? All right? Again, it's just, just, just thinking about it. You've heard these things. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard and thought about a lot of times as far as the basis. What do we know? We know that Christ is the head of the body. All right. And we know that we as believers make up the body. So our union with them, we're all part of the same body. As I mentioned before, I may be one little cell here on the skin. You know, I may be part of a toenail. Whatever. We are part of this body. And the only reason there's a body it's because Christ is our head, is fitly framing that body. We talked about it. he's the one that takes you and makes you part of a ligament or makes you part of a bone, makes you part of an eye. Right? We're here as part of a body. So it's Christ that joins us to each other because, again, if there's no joining together of us, if, if your body wasn't joined together, and we have a wonderful creator who has made us in a marvelous way, but if your body wasn't joined together, if every little molecule or whatever could do what it wanted to do, what do you think you'd look like? How hard do you think life would be? You know? But there is a head. 
There is a head that's helping your body do what it's supposed to do. And if something happens to part of that body, then the rest of the body goes to work to try to help. Now the Lord's given us marvelous pictures of the way it ought to be in his body. He's the head, Christ is the head, we're part of the body. What's our goal? To bring honor to the head. To do what brings honor and glory to Christ. And to do it with one another so that the body is functioning as well and as brilliantly and brightly as it could function. Hard, isn't it? It's hard. We're people. And we get offended and we get upset very easy sometimes. And when we do, you know, I'm not going to help the left hand today. Uh uh. The left hand jumped in and took part of my glory. I was going to pick that up. And the left hand jumped in and picked it up first. So, you know, left hand's on its own today. It sounds stupid, doesn't it? But that's kind of the way we act sometimes. Just don't really care what happens to the body and how it functions and how well it functions. We have Christ the head of the body. We have Christ as the husband of one bride. Christ is the only source of this union with the saints. But not only is the only source of the union, he's the only source that can make the union work effectively. And the good thing is, he's promised to give us everything we need. Not the least of which is the Holy Spirit to help guide us, to teach us, to comfort us. Things that you think of the body doing, we've got the third person of the Godhead here helping us do our part as part of this body. Now, we've talked about this, but it's worth repeating. Christ himself. You don't have the Holy Spirit because you don't ask for the Holy Spirit. So do we start the day? Okay. As part of God's body, I've got something to do today. I'm not sure that I know what it is necessarily. Maybe it's just to go out and do my job and provide for my family. But maybe there's something that the Lord's going to bring across my path today. Are you ready for that? Well, Lord, please grant to me the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom in my work. Okay? Just let me do a good job at the shop. Help me be a good testimony to my foreman, to my fellow workers. Help me to have a word in season as the opportunity presents itself. Right? Any number of things 
but asking for the Holy every day, every day. It's not a, okay, I'll ask today for the week. No, you need to be aware. You need to be thinking, I've got to have, because even during the day, and it may just be, Lord, I'm really being oppressed right now. The devil is really after me right now. I need the Holy Spirit. This is not a battle that I can win in my own strength. Right? Wonderful, isn't it? To be in such communion with Christ and with God the Father that you can have conversation and ask for help. We do it in our physical relationships, don't we? Hey, can you help me with this? You know, can you show me how to do this? Can you explain this to me? Look, I can't pick this up by myself. Can you help me? And to have that same kind of relationship with the Lord. Spiritual warfare that goes on. And with the spiritual tasks that are before us each day that God expects of us. Communion. Communion with Christ, communion with each other. The result, what is the result? This is question seven. What is the result of being in union with other believers? Not simply, said loving and living for one another. Loving and living for one another. You look at Ephesians 4, and I'm not going to read all of it, but you can read the whole chapter, and there's a lot in it. But I just want to take a look at a couple of the verses in it. Get my fingers to work. Ephesians 4. Let's just start with verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You're in union with Christ. Act like it. That's what he's saying in verse 1. That you walk worthy of the vocation. You've been joined to Christ. You're a Christian. That you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. With all lowliness and meekness. He just makes it easy right from the beginning, doesn't he? With all, just not part of our human nature, is it? With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity, union, of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is, here we go, there is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay? There it is. Union and calling for communion. That this body functions the way it's supposed to, and people can see it. Uh, 13, verse 13. 
And again, you, you can read the whole chapter if you have time at some point. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie, uh, lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. Right? Here's the body helping each other. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, which every Christian supplieth. Right? The part that you supply is right there in that verse. The part that I supply is right there. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And we looked at this verse a week or two ago. So the body, if it's doing its job, is making itself grow and mature. We're helping one another, right? So maybe you're a new part to the body. And, and there's a maturing, just like children mature, right, into adults. Well, that's kind of part of the idea here. We're helping each other reach the maturity that we need to reach in order to be an effectual part of the body. So we're teaching one another, we're helping, we're encouraging to get us to the end where the body is edifying itself. It's working for its own good. Right. 31, end of the chapter, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The body should be reflective of the head. We are the body of Christ. We ought to reflect what Christ, who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. Loving one another, forgiving one another, helping one another. It's all there. Part of the communion of saints. Part of the communion of saints. And then Colossians 3. Beginning with verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. See some of the things, we, we just read these things, by and large. Here they are again. Put these things on. You've got to have these things. Put on, therefore, 
as the elect of God because you are united to God in Christ. Put on, therefore, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Boy, it worked great, wouldn't it? If we all put that into practice, that happened in every home. But again, we do have an enemy. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And he goes on. Again, that's a chapter. You could read the whole chapter and benefit from it. Okay? So, the result, the result of being in union with other believers, helping, loving, and living for each other. If this communion with saints, let me put it this way, this communion of the saints doing what we've just read is critical if there's going to be a church that God's using. Okay? We can go through the motions. You can come and go. And think nothing of your brethren. If you sit in here for the worship service, worship together is an act of communion. If we are doing it thoughtlessly, we come and go. The Lord's not going to be pleased. Because we aren't functioning the way we're supposed to. Not functioning the way we're supposed to. Look at one more passage here real quick. Romans 15. Uh, verses 5 and 6. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Uh, my margins translates that according to Christ Jesus after the example of Christ Jesus. Wherefore, excuse me, verse 6, that ye may with, with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be like-minded one toward another after the example of Christ Jesus to the end that your heavenly Father is glorified. Okay? So, the result we want to see, it's, that's what we're here for. In part, 
is to see it, to feel it, to know it. I'm praying for you. Maybe all that you say to somebody today. Or maybe it's, look, you've been on my heart lately. Is there something I can be praying for? Maybe the Lord's put you on my heart for me to inquire. Maybe you know something. Difficulties, things that are upon people's hearts that they're having to deal with. And you just pray. You don't ever have to say a word to them. That's just the body working to strengthen the body and to help it. So, communion of the saints. I want to, if, you, if you've got page, if you've got the book, not I'll read these, but on page 652, the, the footnote 3 has several verses. And, and we'll do these, and, and I'll close with this, because this will finish up this paragraph. But look at, look at what's in these things. So, I mean, we've been looking at words. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 and 14, Wherefore, comfort, so there's one thing, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Those are acts of communion. Right? It's part of what communion will produce. Look at all this stuff. Comfort, edify, warn, comfort, support, be patient. Romans 1, 11 and 12, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift using, using all what he has to teach, to help, to use for the church, for the believers. To the end that ye may be established, edified, built up. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Isn't it wonderful to come here? I hope, I hope that you, you sense when you come here the joy of hearts joining to sing and pray and worship. Again, that's part of what he's talking about experiencing here. With you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. 1 John three sixteen through 18, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In Galatians 6, 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If you have opportunity to do good for, I don't know, different people may look at this different ways. But if I have the choice of dealing with a believer or an unbeliever, I'm going to deal with the believer if I can. Not that I'm not willing to deal with the unbeliever, but if the Lord has brought into my 
acquaintance, to, to my knowledge, somebody that's in a given profession that I need the help of, that's where I'm going. If I know a Christian that owns a store, that's where I want to shop. May cost me a little more. But I think God takes note of it. Especially, you know why I come in here? Because you are my brother in the Lord. I'm united to you. And I want to do well by you. As the Lord enables me to do so. So, all right, good things to think about. It can, uh, it can overwhelm you if you're not careful. You say, how in the world? How in the world? Well, the only way is by the help of the Spirit. But God's not told us to do anything that we're not capable of doing. Nothing. That's not the way God operates. If God says, do this, by the help of the Spirit, we can do it. It's not a pie in the sky. It's not a take it or leave it. These aren't things that are optional that we're talking about here. And you don't want it to be optional because what if I put it this way? It's as optional as your relationship with Christ is optional to him. Would you like that arrangement? That is, that time Christ wanted to, he could just in that union? Nah, today I'm not going to be with him today. Not going to be with him today. Now, there are times where the Lord may leave us to ourselves just because of the hardness of our heart or just to test our heart to see what's in us. Scripture talks about that. But we love the thought of being united to Christ and that being inseparable. Well, then, why would we not love the fact that with our communion with Christ and one another, that should be as inseparable to our being as the relationship. Make sense? That what we do should reflect being united to Christ, being united to one another in Christ, and being in communion one with the other for the mutual benefit, for the edifying of the church in love. All right, well, we'll end there. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed for a bit. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day that you've blessed us with. We're thankful that this day has special meaning for us. Because we come to this day united to Christ. This day reminds us of what Christ has done for us. And that he rose from the grave. Lord, we're thankful this day for the victory that we have in Christ. We're thankful 
this day for the hope that we have in Christ. We're thankful this day that for the relationship we have one with the other because of what Christ has done for us. Lord, I would pray that there were to be any that are in the hearing of my voice that are not united to Christ and therefore don't enjoy the relationship with Christ or with one another. Lord, may they come to a saving knowledge, come to embrace Christ as their only Redeemer. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us here this day, that you would grant to us your spirit to help us in our worship. Lord, help us in our communion. We ask, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.